Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, Ryan. Um, we are continuing our studies in Romans chapter 6, and we are picking up in verse 15. Um, but as we look at these verses today, as we talk about chapter 6 and talk about the different things that Paul is giving to us, there is something that we must remember, and honestly, it is vitally important to what we're saying. If we don't understand this, then these verses will not make any sense to us. And what we must understand is in Romans 1 verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And that power is this. Everyone who experiences salvation in Christ will not be the same. You will not be the same. The old you, the sinful you, that has been saved and changed by God, you are completely changed in His power. It is powerful. And sometimes I think we forget this. We forget how powerful the gospel is, not just for eternal life, but in our lives every single day, every single day. So we must remember that there is power in the gospel. Um, as we looked at verses 1 through 14, and I want to recap those a little bit, because I think they're really important to our context. Paul gives us really important statements about grace and about sin. And the first statement he gives us is he says this, that grace abounds over all sin. That a person who is in Jesus Christ, who has placed their faith in Christ and knows Him, they are covered completely by the grace of God. Meaning, the blood of Christ completely covers all of your sin, past, present, and future. All of your sin, all of it, when I say all, I mean all, is covered by the grace of God. But of course, that brings up a very important question. And Paul says, well, if grace abounds over all sin, then should a person just continue in sin so that grace may abound? Now, why would somebody ask that question? Well, what they're basically asking is this, okay, when you sin and the blood of Christ covers you and the grace of God covers your sin, that brings glory to God. That brings glory to Christ while He covers your sin. So here's the truth. The more you sin, the more you are covered by His grace and the more it brings grace or it brings glory to God. In fact, so that means as a Christian, your sin brings glory to God 
because of the grace that covers it. And so that brings up a question. Well, if the more I sin, the more God has grace and the more it brings him glory. So should I just keep on sinning so that it keeps bringing him glory? No, no, by no means. Why? Because Paul says this. Number one, Paul says, you have died to sin. That when Christ died on the cross, you died with him. Your sinful body, your flesh, it died with him. And likewise, when he rose from the grave, you rose to new life with him. You are a new creation, Corinthians says. The old is gone. The old has passed away with Christ. The new has now lived to walk a new life. And so he says in Romans 6, 11, he says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You're dead to sin. Sin has died with Christ. I love how Paul puts it in Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. My flesh, my sin, it all died with him. And now I live to walk with him in new life. Romans 6, 14, Paul makes this statement, and this is a big statement. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin has no hold on you anymore. You are not under the dominion of sin as a Christian. And dear Christians, I, I find that we walk around and we still live like we are under the slavery of sin. We still live with a mindset. I'll never beat it. I'll never get rid of this addiction. I'll never cut sin in my life. I'm still a slave to it. No, you're not. No, you're not. Sin, in fact, has no dominion over you. You have been freed from the slavery of sin. You can walk in newness of life because of Christ, because of him. Jesus says it best, John 8, 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Well, the question is, who practices sin? Everyone, right? So everyone is a slave to sin. Before we're in Christ, you are enslaved to it. You need salvation from it. You can't break it. But then he says this, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If Christ sets you free from sin, you are free from the bondage of it. And he is not just speaking about eternal life. He is talking about now. The shackles of sin that were holding you down, you're free from them. Now, does this mean that we'll never sin again? No, no. Does this mean that we won't be tempted? Absolutely not. In fact, we will still wage war. Galatians says the flesh wages war against the spirit. Your flesh, which is tainted by sin, on this corrupted planet that you still sadly live in right now, 
it is tainted and it fights and it still wants sin and it's still corrupted by sin. But you're not a slave to it anymore. You're not a slave to it anymore. That's the beautiful thing. Christians have been set free to serve God, to love him. I heard a story one time, and I really don't believe it's a true story, but I believe it's a good story as an illustration. There was a story that circulated after the time of the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln wanted to personally set a slave free. He wanted to take one of them and bring them himself somewhere and say, listen, you're, you're free now, you're free. So he finds a slave woman. He brings her in his car. He drives her to a town. And in that town, he opens the door for her. He gets a suitcase out filled with money. And he looks at her and he says, ma'am, you are now free to go. You're free. Take this money, go do Whatever you want to do, you're free. But the woman looked at him, and of course, she, she's been a slave, and so she's nervous, and she has no idea what to do. And she looks at him, she says, sir, I, I don't know what to do. Can you just tell, where, where should I work? Can you tell me where I should work? Who, who should I marry? Who should I marry? Who should I be with? Can you tell me that? Can, where should I go? Should I, should I stay in this town that you left me in, or should I go to a different place? Or I, I don't know. To, you just tell me everything you want me to do. And, and Lincoln, he had compassion on her, and he loved her, and, and he said, ma'am, you don't understand. You are free. Go wherever you want. Work wherever you want. Marry whoever you want. Do whatever you want because you're free. I don't have to make those decisions. No one has to make those decisions. You can make them because you're free to make them. And the woman, she saw the love in Lincoln's eyes and the way that he had compassion on her. And she looked at him and she said, Sir, if I'm free... Am I free to just stay with you? Am I free to just stay with you? See, that's exactly what happens when Christ sets us free. He gives us freedom from the bondage of sin. He gives us the ability to choose to love God, to know Him. And when we experience His love, and when we experience His grace, our decision is this. I'm so free to do whatever I want, but Lord, all I want to do is be with you. That's all I want to do. All I want to do is serve you. All I want to do is love you and know you and draw close to you because you have set me free. And so that's what we want. And so Paul says at the end of verse 14, he says, you are not under the law. You are under grace meaning you're fully covered by grace. You are walking in grace and living in grace every second of every day in Christ. But that raises a new question. And that new question is the question we're answering today. And that question goes like this. In verse 15, he says this, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? 
by no means. Let me explain the question. Ephesians 2 says it so clearly. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not by works so that no man can boast. It is a gift from God. If you are saved in Christ, it is completely because of grace and it is completely because God has given a gift to you. It has nothing to do with your work. So, saved by grace fully. And then Hebrews 10 makes it clear that Jesus' one sacrifice, the one sacrifice on the cross was perfect. There is no need for any other sacrifice that all those who are in the sacrifice of Christ, they are perfected for all eternity. If you are in Christ, that means his one sacrifice has made you completely righteous for all eternity from now on, forever. You will never be considered unrighteous again because you're in the perfect sacrifice of Christ. So let's put it together. So if you are perfected at all times because of the one sacrifice and you are under grace fully covered by it at all times forever, then shouldn't we just continue in sin? Because the reality is it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't ruin your salvation. Sorry, you can try as hard as you want, but you cannot ruin the perfect sacrifice of Christ. And so the question gets arised. Oh, if we're fully under grace, then we, it doesn't matter what we do then because it can't change anything. And there are so many people who are trying to attack us with this question. Eastern Orthodox, the Roman Catholics, they attack. If you just tell people they're saved by grace, then they'll just go do whatever they want because it doesn't matter what they do. They'll just be saved. You got to tell them they got to have works. No. No, you don't. No, you don't. But yes, the truth is, you're saved completely by grace. So should we just continue in sin? Paul says, by no means. By no means. No. No, you should not continue in sin. But why? Why? Why should we not continue in sin? Paul gives us two reasons, two really good reasons why we should not continue in sin and the first reason is this, God has made us slaves to righteousness. God has made us slaves to righteousness. Verse, look at verse 16 through 18. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. The first thing Paul does is he tells us, listen, there are two groups of people, and that's it. You're either one or the other. Number one, you are either a slave to sin or you have been set free from sin and you are now a slave to God. And I think sometimes we get this mindset where it's like, oh, we just have these 
Christians who they're saved, but they're just carnal. They're still slaves to sin. They're still trapped in their sin, but they're still a believer. No, I'm sorry. You are either enslaved by your sin, in love with your sin, or you have been set free, like Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, right? And you have been set free from your sin. It's one or the other, and we have to understand this. And I do want to stop here, and I do want to say real quick, you know, some of you, you're probably squirming in your seat right now because you're nervous. You're like, listen, I see my sin. I, I have this guilt. I have this shame where I, I struggle with sin. I, I don't want to sin, but I feel like all I do is sin. I look at my life and I look at what I do and it feels like sin is just still so prevalent in my life. And then you read these verses and you go, Am I still a slave to sin? Am I still a slave? Because it feels like I am. It feels like no matter what I do, I can't stop. And I want to say to you, you know, I want to give you some encouragement. You got to understand, number one, I feel the same way, okay? I feel the same way. And if Pastor Frank was giving this sermon, I guarantee he'd say he feels the same way too, okay? Sin gives you shame, and it gives you guilt. And honestly, a lot of times, it makes you feel defeated because you fight against it and you struggle with it, but it just keeps coming back. It's like the boxer that just doesn't give up, right? And so you just feel defeated by it. But you know what gives more comfort? The apostle Paul understands you. The man who wrote these verses down understands how you feel later on in Romans he's gonna he's gonna call himself wretched man that I am wretched man that I am everything I want to do I don't do it and everything I don't want to do I just keep doing it all the time and it feels like I can't stop and I don't want to do it and I want to serve God and I want to please him but yet I keep doing the opposite wretched man that I am see he he gets it he feels that pain. And, and see, guys, these verses, they're not written to discourage you. They are written to encourage you. Because Paul is trying to give us the reminder that, listen, in your fight with sin, in your fight with all of these problems and all of these stressors and all of these temptations that you go through, you need to remember you have been set free. No matter how strong temptation and sin feels in your life, if you are in Christ, you are free from it, and therefore you can have victory over it. That is the beautiful blessing of being a Christian, is that not only when you fail do you have God's grace, but when you fail, you can remember you will have the ability to fight against it because you're free from it. And see, that's why when Paul says you've got to have a mindset, you've got to view yourself as free from sin. You cannot view yourself as a slave to it, because if you view yourself as a slave to it, you'll be a slave to it. You've got to set yourself free and realize Christ has set you free. I love these verses in 1 John chapter 2. It says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you 
that you may not sin. John has the same mindset as Paul. I want you not to live in sin. Run from sin. But then he says this. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You have a loving advocate who fights for you every single day, who loves you every single second, and he is fighting for you. And Christian, when you fail, when you struggle, when you lose that fight against sin, you have an advocate who is fighting for you, who completely loves you, and who has completely set you free. Let that encourage you. Memorize those verses for the rest of your life if you have to. Remember that he is your loving advocate. And he is your propitiatory sacrifice. Means he substituted himself for you in his love and in his grace. But the truth still remains. And the one thing you need to ask yourself is this. Not do you struggle with sin. Are you still a slave to it? Are you still a slave to it? Because you need to understand that struggling with sin and being a slave to sin, they are two totally different things. Totally different things. And Paul says the one who's still a slave, he is not saved with Christ. But those in Christ have been changed. Look back at verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Thanks be to God. All glory to God because he is the one who has set us free. Says the same thing that Jesus says. You have been set free from sin in order that you may obey God, that you may walk in righteousness. And he says, you've, been, you've become obedient from the heart. Your heart has been changed by God. That is the power of the gospel, that God has taken your heart of stone and he has now given you a heart of flesh so that you are free to obey him, to know him, to follow him and walk with him. See, you know, free will, my dad says it's overrated. Um, Free will, you're not free when you're a slave to sin. You've got to understand, before Christ, you're not free. You're not free. In fact, before Christ, you're completely enslaved by sin to where you can't choose to follow God. So therefore, you don't have free will to choose him. But when Christ sets you free, notice the word free, you now have the freedom. You now have the will to pursue him, to know him, to obey him. All of that has been placed in your heart now so that you have the ability to know him and to love him and trust him. Um, you know, really what, I, what I'd like to do now is I'd like you just to, to sit right here 
alone by yourself. And I would like you to think about this, okay? What drives you? What drives you on the inside, not on the outside? Don't think about sin or shame or guilt or people, nothing. Go on the inside in your heart. Dig real deep. What is it that drives you? What is the passion in your life that moves you forward every day? Is it yourself? Is it your selfish desires? Is it your selfish motives? Is it money or lust or greed or whatever, right? Is it all of those things? Is that what drives you? Or is it the love of God? Is it God that drives you to know Him, to obey Him, to believe and trust in Him, to know His Son? And I tell you, if your passion, your desire deep in your heart is to know God and love Him and pursue Him, you didn't put that there. God put that there when your life became his. He gave you those desires. But see, listen, he changed your desires. And you guys who know Christ, you know, what was your desire before? Was it to know him? Was it to obey him and love him? No, it wasn't. But now it is, right? So you've been changed. And you see the change and you know the change. And that's why I say, dear friends, if you don't have those desires in your heart, then it's because they haven't been put there yet. Because you do not truly know Christ. But the beautiful thing is this, is you can have those desires. How? If you willingly come to God and say, God, I need you to change my heart. I need you, Jesus, to open my eyes, and I need you to save me from my sin and set me free. And that is the telltale sign. Your heart and your desires will tell you who you truly love, whether it's yourself or whether it's Christ. So that's what you need to look at because God has set us free and made us slaves to righteousness. And what Paul does here is he moves on verse 19, and he says this, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. And Paul's talking about natural limitation, speaking in human terms. He's just saying, as I talk about slavery, I'm just giving you an analogy. I'm telling you, like slavery, like someone who's in slavery, who has no will, who has no hope, who can do nothing on their own, that's what you were in sin. But now you've been set free from that slavery to now pursue God and be a slave to him. And, and see, the problem with the analogy is we get this mindset, right, where we're like, if I'm a slave to something, I got no other choice. So if I was a slave to righteousness, wouldn't I only just choose righteousness? And there is a little hole in the analogy, but then he explains, he says, guys, I'm just trying to tell you this. For once, your body was used for sin. Now, use your body for God. Give your whole body to him. Use it all for him now. Make it a slave to him, right? Offer your body 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, Romans 12. That's exactly what he's saying. Give your life to him and pursue righteousness. So you have been made a slave to righteousness. And then he goes to the second point. And the second point is this. Sin leads to death. Pursuit of God leads to life. And really what Paul does here in these verses, these are just common sense verses that he gives us now. And he says this, verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And Paul's just simply saying this, guys, what fruit does sin bring to your life? What good does sin bring to your life? None. Nothing. Sin only brings you ruin, destruction, and in the end, it brings you death. I mean, think about it. When you fight with your spouse, does it bring you anything good? When you fight with your children, does it really do anything good for you? When you're greedy and you seek your own selfish desires, does it bring anything good or does it just push everybody away from you? You feel like everybody in your life wants to be away from you? It's because of sin. See, sin does nothing good. It never produces good. You can't give me one moment that sin gave you something good. Sure, maybe for a second or maybe for a little while, you know, the bank robber, they rob the bank, they get all the money, and they're so happy, man, we're rich now, right? And then later on, it brings destruction. It never leads to good. And that's what Paul's trying to say. Why would you pursue sin when it doesn't do you any good? And then he gives the opposite, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. Now that you have God, now that you can pursue him, all of the fruit, all of the joy, all of the peace that you get from pursuing him, doesn't it not bring you so much goodness in your life? Every time in my life that I do it God's way, it's always good. Every time. There's not one time. You know, I think about it like a good example is with this hurricane. Um, you know, fighting with insurance, trying to get money to fix your house, all this stuff. I'll be honest with you. The thoughts come in my mind. I want to try to get as much money as I can to do whatever I want to my house. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I need to do, right? If I'll, I can uh, push the truth a little bit here, I can use to my advantage certain people or certain things, right? It's all flesh. That's all sin. And every time I did that, it just led to more misery, to be honest with you. It just led to more stress, more work, trying to fight more, trying to get more, trying to do more. When I let it go, and said, Lord, I realize I'm trying to do this all on my own. Can I just rest in your sovereignty? Joy, peace, relaxation. It doesn't matter that I'm not at my house. It doesn't matter that everything's not fixed. Because he's in control. And I can just let it go. See, that's the point. That's the point. In my marriage, 
when me and Tori seek to put each other first and love each other instead of seeking our own selfishness, we have unity. We have joy together. We enjoy being together, right? Even our son, when we seek to teach him to love and we help him and guide him, and when we sacrifice for him, it brings so much joy. But when we fight, when we bicker, I find it fascinating that my one-and-a-half-year-old son, that when me and my wife bicker in front of him, he yells at us. Like he's like, ah, ah. like he hates it. He gets it. Sin stinks. It doesn't help. It doesn't do anything good, right? So, so believer, believer, or even non-believer, seriously, why do you keep pursuing it then? Why do you keep pursuing it? That was the question I asked myself. Why do you keep pursuing it? Why, why do you want it so bad? When you know the outcome of it, when you know what it does, why pursue it? And the, and the freedom is, guys, Christians, you're free to pursue righteousness. You can walk out of this room today and go, I'm done with that garbage. I'm done with that. See, non-believer, I got to warn you, you can't walk out of this room and say that. You can't walk out of this room and be free from it. The only one who can set you free is Christ. But if you come to Christ, you can be free from it. You can have freedom from your sin. You can have freedom from the stuff that just makes you miserable and ruins your life and brings decay and destruction. But let's pursue righteousness. Let's pursue Him. And what He does as we move on to verse 23 this is the, the most famous verse of this section. But really, as you read the whole section, the verse is just a summary end statement where Paul is just trying to say to us, guys, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin leads to death. The punishment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Therefore, what should you pursue in your life from this day forward? Pursue the free gift of Christ. Pursue that. Pursue Him. Don't pursue sin. That leads to death. Pursue Christ and know Him and experience His joy and His peace and His rest. Know Him and enjoy him. And you know, in this moment, I do, we always want to preach the gospel here at Freedom. And, and so I want to say to those in this room, just to sum it up to you, sin, the punishment of sin is death, and God, he, he is a just God. God will punish sin. He will punish sin. And those who die without Christ, without knowing him, without having that free gift of eternal life, they will die in their sin and they will face eternal punishment for it. But the truth remains for all to hear, for all to hear that those who put their faith in Christ and trust in the work he has done on the cross, you can have freedom and you can have eternal life. All you have to do, all you have to do is you need to come to him and say, Lord, I give you my life, I give you my trust, and I want to obey you, and I want to follow you. That's it. 
That's it. And so if you're here today and you feel your heart tugging, that is the Holy Spirit telling you, give your life to Christ. Give your life to him. You know, that's what it's all about. And so I'd like you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. And and I'd love to pray with you. And I will say in this moment, and I'd, I'd love for you to have your eyes closed because I want you to have this moment to yourself. That This is for you, this moment. But I feel like the Lord did put one more thing on my heart to say. And I, I hate when my humanity gets in the way. And I, I'll have these moments in my life where I'm really struggling. And I'm really feeling like I need something from the Lord. I need help or I need strength or clarity, peace, whatever, whatever. But yet in my humanity, I don't go to God and ask him for it. For some reason, I'll struggle with these things for a week, two weeks, who knows. But yet I don't go to him and ask for the things that I need or, or the things that I want. And so I say to you today this. If you are seeking anything from the Lord, be it salvation, be it rest from your guilt or your shame, or just you're just struggling in some type of way with anxiety or stress or failure, anything, I don't care what it is, run to Him right now and tell Him. Tell Him, ask Him whatever you wish. Ask Him, He listens to you. He cares about you, specifically you. He cares about you. So just ask him, whatever it is while I pray, just run to him and and tell him, Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you so much for the gospel that we can rest, Lord, in your finished work, that those in you are perfected, and we don't need to be afraid, and we don't need to worry because You are always with us. You're always advocating for us. So I pray for the Christians in this room who are struggling with sin. Please help them to know that you have defeated those things in their life, that they can hold on to you, fix their eyes on you, and you will guide them and help them with all of those things. Lord, I pray for those who do not know you, that today you would bring them to you, that you would open their eyes so they know that you are God, that you love them, you gave your life for them, Lord. We give you honor and glory. There is no one else who deserves it. It's all for you. And we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand, we're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to close.